good morning, everyone. It's good to be with all of you today. Thank you for joining us. All of you online people, it's good to be with you as well. And just to remind you, if you're hungry, you just come on over and you can have some, you can have some food for lunch here. So some of you may kind of notice I'm hobbling around up here a little bit, kind of wondering what am I doing? Uh, well, I found out last week that I get to have a knee replacement surgery. So that was kind of exciting for me. And I also learned last week what is a knee replacement surgery, which is kind of news for me, and I kind of learned it's a little bit more than I probably would have liked to have known. So I'm, I, I already run a little bit anxious. I'm usually an anxious person. I'm a little fidgety, and so uh, as you can imagine, finding out I need surgery kind of took my level a little higher. And then I made the big mistake of actually watching a knee replacement surgery on YouTube. So I kind of like did kind of like the little perfect storm. It probably wasn't the best idea for a person like me to do. But I'm going to be honest with you, I'm extremely excited for the surgery. Now, on one hand, I'm excited because I'll get better. I mean, right now, this knee is not going to get better on its own, so I'm going to have to knee, and it's going to take a long while. So, so for that, I'm excited. But I'm also excited because the surgery is going to be an incredibly spiritual experience. I don't think you expect like a surgery, something physical like that's going to be an extremely spiritual uh, experience, but it is going to be for the simple reason that right now I'm experiencing a lot of anxiety. I'm a lot of pain physically. I'm a little nervous about like, how is this going to go? A little emotionally nervous, I'm a little nervous financially. You never know what kind of bills you're going to get after surgery. I'm a little bit, you know, nervous, like physically, how am I going to get around the house? How am Becky and I going to navigate this, this, this house with Nick and what are we going to do? So, so I'm pretty nervous right now about a lot of things, but this is why this is such an incredibly spiritual experience because in Psalm 55 verse 22, it says, give your burdens to the Lord and he'll take care of you and he will not permit the godly to slip and fall. See, this verse is an incredible paradigm changer. You expect this verse to say, hey, if you're really good, you give all these nice little things that you've been doing to God and he's going to be so pleased with you, then he'll take care of you. Now, this verse is such a radical change of perspective where God's saying, no, what you give me is your pain and your suffering, and your anxiety, and your burdens. You give that to me. In fact, my pain, and my suffering, and my anxiety actually becomes a commodity that I can use to give to God in exchange. I get care. I get provision. I get the promise I'm not going to slip and fall. That's why something like a surgery turns into something incredibly spiritual. See, every single thing that you and I are going through, it's not just physical. It's not just something on earth. It's not just emotional. It's incredibly spiritual. Because God invades every single thing that happens in our life. And this is a promise that each and every one of us can count on. That God says to each one of us, if you have a burden, you give it to me and I'll take care of you. That's a pretty radical promise. So this question I want all of us to be thinking about today is what burdens are you carrying that you could give to the Lord? Or what anxiety are you carrying right now that you could give to the Lord? What do you need to give to the Lord? And then in exchange, he'll say, okay, I'll take care of you and I'll protect you. That's a really good offer that's on the table right now. I mean, it's a pretty amazing offer that's not like, hey, do really good, obey these four things. No, it's like, hey, got anxiety? Give it to me. But we often ignore God's just simple request to just take care of you. So on Thursday morning, I ended up in the surgeon's office, and the surgeon, nice guy, looked at me and said, so, so tell me, how, how'd you get here? 
In other ways, like, you know, what happened to you to get you here? So, so um, it's a great question. I think it's a question a lot of us need to really ponder. You know, how did I get into my current situation? So on Tuesday morning, I, I, it was a regular day, and I was going to ride my bike, and so I, I was stretching a little bit, and all of a sudden my knees like, whoa, something's really wrong here. So I had a lot of pain all day. Then at night, it was a, that pain that you don't sleep all night. So by Wednesday morning, I was like, yeah, I get to go to ER because I wanted some relief. So I, I expected to go there and get a pill and leave. And instead, my x-ray come back, and he's like, no, you're in a little bit of a problem here. You need to go to a specialist. So I go to the specialist, and so, you know, the doctor looks at me and says, so how'd you get here? So I explained to him that, you know, look, two months ago, um, I ride my bike a lot. Two months ago, my knee was a little uncomfortable, so I stopped riding for two, two months, but about a week ago, it started, a week or two ago, it started to get better, so I started to slowly ride my bike again. I was feeling better, and I said, I thought it was to the point where it was totally better. I thought it was just, uh, it was brand new. And so I was going to ride my bike, and, and that's kind of what happened to me. And so he listened to my story, and he just said, well, um, you have no cartilage left on your knee. You're going to need a complete replacement surgery, which was a little surprising for me because I didn't expect it was that bad. I thought, you know, this, this wouldn't happen to me. So he explained the surgery and all that stuff, and I agreed to it. So we get in the car, and so now you're going to understand why Becky goes with me to doctor's appointments. So we get in the car, and Becky's really sweet and really nice. And see, I say this on a Sunday, she's over with the kids. <laughs> so she's looking really nice and sweet, and she smiles at me, and she just says, um, you know, you've become an expert at ignoring pain. And I'm like, whoa, that's a really good compliment. I'm thinking, wow, after 26 years of marriage, you finally caught on to my superpower. And I'm like incredibly proud of myself at that moment. I'm like, wow, she can see it. I can ignore pain. I'm honestly thinking she's going to say to me, and you're so good, I'm so proud of you, we're going to go to Boatworks on Lake Makatawa for lunch today, and you're going to get whatever you want. You need to be rewarded because you ignore pain. And then I noticed she stayed silent. I'm like, oh boy, there's another message here. And she said, Jack, you told the doctor in all honesty that you've only experienced knee pain for the last two months. She said, you've had knee pain for four years. She said, three years ago, you started wrapping your leg in KT tape and wearing braces. How come you suddenly forgot that and you think it happened in the last two months? I was like, well, that actually was a good point. And I quickly realized that I had become defeated and also, I realized how quickly I had become delusional in my own pain. See, I'd had pain for four years, but I have a little problem. Me and Dr. Google came up with a wholly different problem. I diagnosed myself with a cyst in the back of my knee, and I actually believe that was my problem. I had started on physical therapy for myself to get rid of a cyst and to come to find out I didn't have a Baker cyst. I need a knee replacement. And I think that is so common what we do. We have a problem. At least what I do, you have a problem, you misdiagnose a problem, and you figure out a strategy to make it go away, and you're not even talking about the right problem. I honestly think there needs to be software on your computer that some people are not allowed to search for anything medical. I probably would be that candidate. Yeah, figure out a way to do that. So anyway, um, but you know, as I thought about it, 
I don't think I'm the only one in this room that's become pretty good at ignoring pain. My guess is there's a lot of you here or listening online that are like me that you become an expert at ignoring your own pain. I would guess there might be a few of us here. My guess is some of you are pretty good at ignoring physical pain or emotional pain or spiritual pain or financial pain. My guess is some of you are probably carrying some pretty big burdens right now. My guess is there's probably some of you here listening online that you are in an incredibly difficult situation and nobody has an idea what you're going through. And I want to remind you first of all of Psalm 55 that God wants to carry your burdens, that he wants to protect you and that God wants to rearrange your life in some way so he can carry you through and so you won't slip and fall. But we need to stop ignoring our pain so we can actually heal. See, there's a lot of reasons we ignore our pain. I think one of the common reasons that we ignore our pain is you get so used to it. For me, that knee pain for four years was such a part of my life. I wasn't even really aware that it was there until it got really, really bad. And I think another reason that we uh, ignore our pain is because sometimes we feel so discouraged and so hopeless. And we think, if I actually bring up my pain or my suffering and other people hear about it and nothing happens, I'm going to be even more discouraged. And so we teach ourselves to kind of avoid the pain, and in the process, we all kind of become experts at ignoring our pain. But not only do we ignore our pain, but we also become very good at ignoring the deep desires that God has put in our hearts. That God has deposited in each of our hearts is the desire for comfort and for security and for safety. And we tend to be people who settle really quickly. That we just settle for what we have and we get used to the way things are so we don't have any desire, we don't have any dreams, we don't have any expectations. And then usually we buy into the lie that the enemy says to us, you don't want to tell anybody what's really going on in your life because if they knew, they would reject you. So we listen, and you end up like me, that you just go to the internet to find your advice on what to do with your problems. But see, that was never the way God created us to be. Our pain and our discomfort was always designed to connect us instead of isolate us. See, God intended that the difficult things in our life, like pain and discomfort and anxiety, that that would draw us to him. That's why he gave the promise that, look, you're carrying something difficult. You come and you bring it to me, and I will care for you. This God's plan that our pain would always connect us to him. It would not drive us apart. And that's God's desire that each and every one of us would be connected to him, that when we experience pain or we experience a desire or a dream or a goal, that we would go to God and say, look, this is my dream or desire. Would you fulfill that for me? But so often we ignore those things. Now, if I would have gone to the doctor four years ago, he probably would have been able to treat me. He probably would have gave me something that would have brought me a lot more comfort and a lot more stability over the last four years. It probably would not have taken away completely my problem, but there's a good chance I would not be looking at surgery in a couple months. We have to bring up our problem if we actually expect to get better. Like still, because I just ignored the pain, I'm probably in a worse situation. So last week, I brought up that we're starting our Christmas series. We're starting this whole series on longings and desires, and I, and I know some of you are like, hey, wait a minute, Christmas in November, well, 
We have to because it's a seven-week series. So, I mean, just math-wise, i got to start. So, I mean, we're not going to forget Thanksgiving, that, that we're still going to do Thanksgiving. We might be canceling turkey, but we're just going to do Thanksgiving as usual. I'm actually excited because I don't like turkey. And I read an article, Lori's with me, I read an article this week that, yeah, some people don't like me anymore. I read an article that because groceries are getting expensive, a lot of younger people are having pizza parties for Thanksgiving because it's cheaper. And I'm like, finally! <laughs> Who would join me for a pizza party on Thanksgiving? Look at all you people. <laughs> well, I've seen pizza with potatoes on them. But as I brought up last week, that's kind of good. Now everybody's thinking food. We'll just go right charcuterie board. So there's barbecue chicken. That's close. Okay. So I brought up last week that when you start talking about Christmas, quickly one question surfaces. It's a whole question of what do you want for Christmas? That's what we spend the month of November and December talking about. What do you want for Christmas? But I said, you know, this year we need to be asking God, what do you want to give me for Christmas? That we need to be approaching God saying, what do you want to give me? It kind of sounds a little presumptuous to assume that God wants to give us a present, but actually that's the whole character of God. It's a character of a good father that wants to give his kids presents all the time. He wants to do things for us. And Christmas is actually our annual reminder that God wants to give us good gifts. And Christmas is also our annual reminder to remember that some people have refused the gift of Christmas. And it's a reminder for us that it's easy to ignore some of the gifts that God wants to give for us. So Christmas needs to be this annual reminder that we need to be in a posture of receiving what God has for us. And that is actually my motivation and my drive behind this series, that God would bless all of us with some incredible gifts. But the good news of the gospel is that God knows exactly what we need, exactly what our heart needs, exactly what our desire needs, exactly what our longings need, and God wants to meet those needs. That's why Ephesians 1, verse Verse 4 that Lori read for us earlier is kind of the, this kind of the, the hallmark of this, what this whole service is about, where God says, long before I laid the foundations of the earth, I had you in mind, and I had settled on you as the focus of my love to be made whole and holy by his love. That is God's Christmas wish to you. I want to make you whole and holy by my love. And that is an incredible promise that I think it's good for all of us to remind ourselves that is written in the Bible and that God wants to do that in our life each and every day. But it's also an opportunity to remind us to say, God, would you continue to do that and help me to participate in what you want to do? I love that verse that God wants to make us whole, meaning God wants to take the broken and the shattered pieces of our life and put them together. It's a beautiful picture of what God wants to do. Imagine if I took a glass vase and slammed it on the floor and there's thousands of pieces scattered all over the floor. God says, I'm going to find each little part of that and I'm going to put it together for you. That's the capacity that God has for us. But I also love that God says he wants to make us holy. So often we're like, oh, holy, that sounds hard. We think, oh, holy means I got to do a bunch of things to re earn God's favor. Holy is what actually happens to you as God brings restoration into your life. As you become restored, you become holy. Christianity, the goal of Christianity is restoration. The goal of Christianity is not willpower. It's not self-determination. It's not knowing every single doctor. The goal of Christianity is to be restored by God in such a way that your heart changes. Then because your heart changes, everything else changes. So your desires change and you find yourself becoming holy. 
So as we close this year, I'm coming to you with expectation and desire and anticipation that God is going to do a deep work in each of us to bring us closer to wholeness and closer to holiness. I'm expecting that God is doing something in all of our lives. You know, the fact that I need a surgery, I, I even think the timing of God to bring this up now is part of my, his plan to even make me more whole and even be more holy. Because there's not a thing that God wastes in our life to draw us closer to you. I know there's other people in this community that are looking at surgeries. I know they are, um, and, 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 and I think it's spiritual. I think whatever you're going through, even if you're having a hard time paying your bills, that is a spiritual situation because God wants to come into that situation and care for you. So I'm excited what God's going to do on you as individuals, but also as a community. But we also, if we're going to receive what God has for us, we also need to really be in touch with, with our core longings or our core desires. I introduced that last week, and I said some authors and psychiatrists will say, you know, we have these core desires and longings that each of us have to ha- have met in order to make us happy and to be um, to find wholeness. You know, some people say we have 12, we have 3, we have 4, whatever it is. So I've settled on a list of seven things. Seven core longings that I believe that we all need to that have, and let me get a visual. There's a lot of different resources that talk about longings and needs, and I, and I think it's important to pay attention to them. So in this book, this is a great book, it's a new book called Free to Thrive by Josh McDowell and Ben Bennett. And in this book, they identify seven core longings that we have. Well, number one is acceptance. Another's appreciation. You don't have to worry about these each week I'm going through these. Remember last week I talked about acceptance. The second one is appreciation, then affection, then access, then attention, and affirmation of feelings and assurance of safety. Each of us have these seven core longings. You could divide these up and it could be 30 of them, however you wanted to uh, write them out. But the point of it is, is that we have desires and longings. And if we are not having these desires and longings met by God, we're going to look for somebody else to meet these longings for us. That these longings in us uh, would have to be met. You have a need for acceptance. If acceptance is not met from God, or from godly friends and family that love you and care for you. You're going to look for it in all the wrong places. See, my big, my big thing that I need right now is I need assurance of safety. I'm a guy that needs comfort. I'm the guy that, that's kind of how I'm wired. I can tell you that's one of my core needs. I need to know I'm safe, I'm secure, and that God's going to watch over for me. If I don't find that met by God or healthy friendships that I have with other people, I will look in places like grocery store ice cream containers. I can eat more Ben and Jerry's ice cream than any of you could probably realize. You want a contest? In fact, I do that. Like if Nick has a seizure, my first thought is, what do I get to eat? Literally, I will. I will like Nick had a seizure. I get a pizza and I get Ben and Jerry's. He's still involved in the seizure and I'm thinking what flavor I'm going to buy because I know I'm going to need comfort afterwards. Now, I've tried to be mature and say, okay, God, I need, I need your comfort right now. But that's why I'm bringing the point of this book. And, you know, if you want to read this book, it's a good book. Kind of, I'm going to probably talk a lot about what they say in here. But uh, my whole point is that we all have desires. And you might say, well, I'm not sure what my desire is. I'm not sure if I need comfort or I need safety or access or what it is. But see, that's where uh, Hebrews 4 is such a powerful verse that we read last week, where God says, I promise I will tell you what you really desire. 
I will tell you what the longings that you have in your heart because God's desire is that we find peace through him. So today I want to talk about our desire for assurance of safety. See, we all have a desire to feel safe and secure. Every one of us has a desire that we know that will be provided for emotionally, physically, and financially. We want to be free from fear and anxiety. Every single one of us desires those things. We want to experience emotional, physical, and financial security. Every single one of us does. I think every single one of us, there's times in our life we worry financially. We wonder, will I have enough money to pay my bills? Will I have enough money for retirement? Will I have enough money to pay for the surgery coming up? Will I have enough money for Christmas? Will I have enough money? We all wonder going through COVID what is going to happen. Or we all wonder emotionally, am I going to make it through? I'm having a difficult time right now. I'm kind of really concerned about now about my future and I feel like I'm not handling it well. Or we get really concerned um, physically about our body. Would we get sick or we have a legs all messed up. We worry about these things. And when we have those experiences where we're worried or confused, we are looking for someone to comfort us. And it's God's invitation to say, hey, you know what? When those desires are met, you come to me and I'm going to meet each and every one of the desires that you have. That's a beautiful promise that God has for us. But it's usually in this crisis moment, sometimes we wonder, you know, are Paul's words really true where God says, I'll supply all of your needs? I kind of struggle sometimes to say, will that really happen? Or we read Psalm 55 and we think, okay, it says, cast your cares on the Lord, he'll sustain you. And we kind of wonder, but how's he going to do it? Will I like the way he sustains me? Because I kind of, I, I kind of have a standard, <laughs> you know? I get a little fussy at times. Yeah, I'm a little picky. I admit it. The best thing the doctor said to me said it's outpatient surgery. I said, I'll do it. I don't like hospital food. Anyway, and another thing, you know, we, we listen to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and we wonder, you know, he tells us not to worry, and we think, is that even possible? Is it even possible to have a life without worry? So the dominant theme in the Bible is God's a good father, wants to take care of our needs. Then the other dominant theme in the Bible is we wonder if that's really going to happen. So let me read to you Jesus' words in Matthew 6, verse 25 to 34, which is um, part of the Sermon on the Mount. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Rather, you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your bodies more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? And don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So I think we tend to read that chapter, and we kind of think, um, do I really have to take that seriously? I think we wondered, I mean, because really it's like you wonder, is, is, is the scripture being a little exaggerated because we, we think I should worry about food and clothing and shelter because I need to eat. 
All of these things are basic necessities in our life. And so we kind of wonder, is, is this, do I actually have to do this? Because I think some of us can't imagine not worrying. But what if Jesus is really serious about this? What if he's really serious about his words, that he wants us to pay close attention and follow his word about, I don't want you to worry? See, it's easy to ignore Jesus' advice um, when we're talking about this because it doesn't seem realistic. It doesn't seem realistic not to worry. It seems like I should worry a little bit about how I'm going to pay for my groceries or how I'm going to pay for my bills or get food. It seems like we should. But see, in this little section that I read, Jesus actually shows us four reasons why we need to take him really serious. He tells us four reasons why we should not worry. The first thing he says is worry is only going to make your problems worse. It's going to make your problems worse. You know, you hear me quote a lot Dr. Kurt Thompson. He says, you know, we are what we pay attention to. The longer we worry about something, the more it's just going to be part of us. We know that worry so often just exaggerates the problems, and the longer you think about it, it's going to make your problem bigger. So the first thing that Jesus was saying in here is, if you worry, it's going to make your problems worse. And the second thing he says is, um, that's not your role to be concerned. He says, clearly, God feeds the birds. He'll feed you too. Why worry? That's kind of a nice relief. God's saying, that's not your responsibility to worry about how you're going to be fed. And the third thing he says is, worry is not going to help with anything. Your worrying isn't going to produce anything. Listen, he says, Jesus says, can any of you live a bit longer by worrying about it? It's a good news translation. I love that way. Basically saying, the worry's not going to do anything. And finally, he says, worry is unnecessary. Why? Because God wants to meet your needs. Your worrying is not going to do anything to help you get what you need because God wants to meet your needs. He put his spirit in you and he wants to meet every single need that you have. But let's be honest, these are all legitimate needs. We need to eat, we need food, we need clothes, we need shelter. So Jesus is telling us, but Jesus is not saying to us, I want you to ignore these things. He's drawing attention to your needs. Instead, Jesus is telling us how to deal with the things that we need with. We need to be a pay attention to our necessities. We need to pay attention to our finances, our emotional needs, our physical needs. Jesus is encouraging people to do that. He's just telling you how you properly do it. You don't have to worry about it. See, when Jesus is talking to this crowd and this audience, these are Jewish people that have grown up in the synagogue. They probably all knew Psalm 55 verse 22 very well. They knew that, G- that the Bible had said, give all your burdens to God and he'll carry you. So what Jesus is doing in the parable, or the Sermon on the Mount, he's reinforcing what the Psalms already say. He's telling the people to live in this new kingdom of God, to live in the relationship with Jesus. You, this, what's been done in the Old Testament continues on. You don't have to worry about these needs. God is still going to provide for you. But you can't get what you need if you're ignoring what you need. You have to bring them to the surface and be able to give them to God because when you give them to God, then you find the exchange of his care and of his peace and of his protection. So Jesus is actually bringing up these concerns in in this Sermon on the Mount because he wants you to pay greater attention to him. That's good, Lord. I like feedback. You can clap too. I mean, that's a blessing, God. Yeah. Yeah. He's saying, I want you to draw your attention to your needs because I want to fill them for you. He wants you to make a, prior, a priority. 
So now you can see the goodness of Jesus. He's not teaching us to ignore things like we have a tendency to do. He's not saying pretend you don't have pain. He's saying, no, what are the needs that you have in your cupboard? What are the needs you have in your bank account? What are the needs that you have with clothing? What are your needs? I want to know your needs because I want to meet them for you. I think the Sermon Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' plea. Please tell me what you need because I want to supply what you need. I'm going to make a promise to you that says you have everything you need, so how can I give you everything you need if you don't tell me what you need? That's the beauty of the exchange that we do with Jesus. We, We, for our needs, we get our supply. That is such a good deal. See, later on in the passage, he tells us, says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. See, the kingdom of God is this new place where God tells us where we can live while we're on earth. We don't have to wait for heaven to experience the fullness of what God has for us. We, as followers of Jesus, get to live in the kingdom of God now. We live in the kingdom of God that is on earth, and in this kingdom we live in, we do get to experience some of heaven right now. We don't get the fullness of heaven right now, but every once in a while we get a little taste of what heaven's going to be like. Someday my full transformation is going to come, but right now while I live in the kingdom of God on earth, I experience some of it. I experience renewal. I experience wholeness. I experience holiness. Still, I have to live in the presence of sin, but I still discover who I am. See, in heaven someday, the kingdom of God, the presence of sin will be gone. But the kingdom of God we live in right now, the presence of sin is still here. So we've got to deal with annoying things like doctor's appointments and knee surgeries. But God promises, I'll give you comfort while you're here. I'll give you assurance while you're here. I'll give you safety. Every single thing that you need to experience the kingdom of God while you're on earth, you can have. That's quite the deal. I can have that. I have access to comfort, assurance, peace. Everything that I need, everything I need emotionally, I can experience right now as long as I tell Jesus what I need. But see, the tricky thing about giving Jesus your worries and your needs is we're like, yeah, I've done that, but I still have a need. So we have a tendency to come back from the doctor's office and say, okay, my my knee hurts, I'm anxious, I'm scared, give me your peace, and he does, and then we're like, okay, and the next day you're like, but that peace is gone. See, sometimes you need to go to him each and every day and say, I'm concerned, I'm fearful, I'm scared, I'm nervous. Sometimes you go through an entire day before God saying, I need your comfort, I need your security, I need your hope. This prayer isn't one prayer and then we're done. The prayer is a constant relationship with God where we're always telling him our needs. I spent most of the day Thursday afternoon And Friday, just kind of like, well, that video didn't help. But just before God, just saying, you know, I need this. Our house, I mean, all of you have situation. Like, how are we going to manage me on a knee surgery with Nick? What's this going to look like? You know, it's easy to make your mind wonder and say, nope, I just keep giving that, just keep giving that worry to Jesus and see what he's going to sort through. And that's his invitation to all of us. You just keep coming back and giving me your pain. You just come back and don't get discouraged. That's what happens to us. We're like, well, I gave him my pain, but it came back. Well, keep giving it back. Don't get discouraged after one situation. See, the truth is we all have needs. 
Our needs are not neutral. They do not go away just because we gave them one time to Jesus. Our needs, as they come back, that feeling for security, that feeling for wholeness, that feeling for restoration, that keeps coming back. That is our desire to keep connecting to Jesus and say, hey, I got to exchange what I have here. I have great anticipation for all of us in these next couple months to receive a lot more restoration and wholeness and holiness. And I think God's going to be bringing up things in our life that are painful, that are hurtful, that are embarrassing, things that we don't want to deal with. And this is God's invitation. When those things come up, I want you to sit quietly with me and give them to me. Tell me what you need to give me in exchange for peace or comfort or security. And then sometimes God surprises you a little bit and says, okay, I want you to have this conversation with another person. Because we need to be people that love each other. So often we get a little scared to talk to other people because we don't want anybody to reject us. I think I've rejected myself so much over my situation. What if somebody else rejects me? But God loves you and he's going to put you in a good community of people that will love you and encourage you. That's why I love this little community of this little church that we have that we refer to as the Stello Grove. We are people that desire to grow together. We're just people that desire to make sense of our life and discover Jesus in the process. See, Jesus wants to help us in the season become whole and holy, not just for ourselves, but for the rest of the world. I have great anticipations that as Jesus makes us whole and holy, he's preparing us for even what he has for us next year, that we become more like Jesus and we become more effective ministers. I want to close you with these beautiful words in Philippians 4, verse 6 through 9 where um, the Apostle Paul is saying, don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Instead, be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace will transcend human understanding. It will guard your heart and mind through Jesus Christ. Keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, peaceful and kind, and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him always. Put into practice the example of all that you've heard from me or seen in my life, and that the God of peace will be with you in all things. I love that verse. The God of peace will be with you in all things. That was Philippians 4, verse 6 through 9. It's just a beautiful promise of God. Tell God what you need, and he'll give you peace. It doesn't say, tell God what you want and every single problem's going to go away, your knee surgery's going to go away. No, it says, tell God what you need, he'll give you peace. That's what we got to expect. I think sometimes we, we go to God in prayer, we tell him what we want, and if we don't get that, we get really discouraged. But we need to go to God in prayer and see, what are you going to give me? What are you going to give me this year for Christmas that's going to meet the needs that I have? That's the beautiful part. Some of you are in, big, are in for a big surprise this year, what God's going to give you. But he's going to give you something really, really good. Some of you get a lot more than one present. So I'm going to wrap it up in prayer. I'm going to sit down. Greg's going to come lead us in worship. Then after worship, if any of you would like prayer, would love to pray for you. How about Ted and Leslie? Would you mind praying for people if they want prayer afterwards? Ted and Leslie will have a little team there. And, and Lori, Dittmar and I will have a little team there. And if any of you want prayer, you want to be blessed, we'd love to do that for you. 
Otherwise, you all have to go and have charcuterie board today. It's really good. It's beautiful. It's good to be together. I kind of like sitting down. I could be a little bit more long-winded. I'm not tired. (laughs) I think I'll do this more often. Get that big purple chair out. All right. Well, Father, I do thank you for today. God, I thank you that you are good and faithful. And God, what a good deal that you give to us. You say, give me your burdens. Give me your anxiety. And you're going to give us peace. And you're going to care for us. God, that is incredible how good you are to us. That you say, give me your brokenness and I'll give you peace. Give me your suffering and I'll give you my peace. God, help us to be mindful today of what we need to exchange for you today to get the peace we need. God, I know a lot of people like me, we become experts at ignoring pain. God, would you tell us the painful things in our life that we're holding that we don't need to be holding? so we can give them to you and experience radical peace. God, I pray for this body. I pray that you'd encourage every single person here, that you'd bring comfort to every single person here. I thank you that you are God who wants to give us assurance that you're going to provide for us financially and emotionally and physically. God, I pray that anybody listening to me that's struggling in those areas right now would walk out of here with a sigh of relief that, yeah, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I believe that Matthew 6 where Jesus can make it work out. God, I thank you that you are a God of abundance, financially, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. God, I pray for anybody who's so discouraged right now, Lord, that they would leave this message today with a new hope, with a new encouragement with a new tenacity and a new boldness. God, we pray for our friends that are not here today. We pray that you would bring them the same comfort as well, that you would extend that throughout this body. God, I thank you that you are so generous. And God, I pray for some of us who maybe we've lost hope and we think, well, nothing good could come out of my situation, that you would encourage us today and that you are the God of hope, that you can bring hope where there seems to be none. God, thank you that you are God of surprises. Thank you, God, that you are going to surprise us supernaturally. And God, I thank you that every situation that anybody faces here is spiritual. It is spiritual because you can intervene in that. There's nothing off limits for you, God. And I thank you, Lord, that the work that you're doing in the lives of the people here today. We thank you for your work and we thank you for your love. So may the Lord bless each one of you. May he encourage you. May he strengthen you. May he deliver you from the plans of the evil one. And may he give you complete restoration, complete wholeness, and complete holiness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.